Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue. We're so glad that you joined us again. Uh, we are here recording part two of Beating the Odds. I've got Pastor Hall, my pastor, Pastor Joey Hall from First Apostolic Church of Radford with me. And welcome back, Pastor Hall. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be back. Hey, man, we're going to uh, hopefully wrap up tonight uh, our discussion on Beating the Odds. We got in a great conversation uh, last time talking about many things, and uh, I know that I was blessed. I've went back and listened to it a couple of times already myself, uh, and so I've heard great things from people. A lot of people have already reached out to me uh, from that first episode and and said how they, they were blessed by it, and um, just a lot of good meat there, uh, a lot of uh, good provoking thoughts, and so uh, we appreciate you providing that. Yes, sir. And uh, I look forward to tonight's conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. If this, I, I know you said we're hoping to wrap this up, but if this is anything like our Wednesday night Bible studies, <laughs> who knows how long we'll be here. <laughs> I, I'm fine. I can, I can record many more. <laughs> um, yep. Now, I will, I will say uh, in, in starting tonight's session, um, let, let, we'll try to pick up where we left off. I know uh, – for those of you who have not listened to the first one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stop now uh, and go back and listen to part one of Beating the Odds. Um, you don't want to miss that. That is That builds the foundation for where we're going to take off from tonight. Um, but we are talking about beating the odds, the odds that are stacked against uh, the church today. I guess you could say uh, it's been said that 80% of church plants fail within the first five years. Um, and we want to talk about ways uh, how we can overcome those odds, how we can beat the odds. And you gave us uh, many great things last week um, on how to ensure that we don't have church plant failures. And um, and I love the way that you uh, reworded or restated the question of, well, how can we be successful? And and you flip that on its head and say, well, the better, que- you know, the better statement is not to be successful, but right. to be fruitful. Right. And and so um, let's just dive into that a little bit more. I know that you only scratched the surface yeah. of um, maybe how a church plant could fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have more notes on that? Uh, I do. Um, some of the factors, of course, we we talked about several uh, in the last podcast, but. Another one uh, is isolation. Uh, one a reason, uh, a factor that could play into a church plant failing is if that church plant or the pastor or family that has started that church, if they isolate themselves. My pastor taught me a very, very important lesson. Uh, scripture teaches us that no man is an island. Mm. No man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. And um, and to be quite honest, the harvest is so great, um, there's no way that we can get it all by ourselves. That's right. And so we, we cannot isolate ourselves. Uh, we cannot attempt to go at it alone. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll dive a little bit more into that um, a little bit later, but 
perfect example is his book of Acts, disciples, um, choosing them out, uh, seven men full of wisdom in the Holy Ghost right. uh, to help them. Um, Moses and uh, his father-in-law coming to him and telling him, said, you, mm-hmm. you can't do this by yourself. Right, Jethro, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so we understand that uh, you know, isolation can terribly Distract uh, a pastor's mind because what happens is he gets so overwhelmed with what's going on that he's trying, you know, (laughs) everything from teaching Bible studies to cleaning the toilets to setting up and tearing down, if that's the case, Mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to make cold contacts, follow up with people. It's just, it's a lot of stuff that, that if you try to do it by yourself and alone, um, you, you'll you'll be fatigued. You'll get worn out very quickly. Mm. Um, evangelism, and I'm going to touch on a few of these just really quickly. Evangelism okay. without discipleship. Mm. If you all the time evangelize and you don't disciple people, right? And you're if just, we're not retaining exactly mm. uh, because if if you're just you're just out there to win souls and and get numbers, right? Um, you, you're never going to build a group of people. That will be the church for that city. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just focused on on, and of course, you know, I've always <laughs> people have made the statement to me in times past. Said, "Well, how many you're running? Well, our population is around sixteen to twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm running twenty thousand. I just haven't caught them yet. Right? There you, go. you know, but but that, it's not just it's not just about the number. It's not a, if we if we focus on well, um, you know, let's just get the numbers." But we got to disciple people. Right. And so if you just focus on evangelism and you don't focus anything on discipleship, mm. that church will wither up and it will die because mm. there's no roots that are right. being grown. Right. And we know the parable of the sower. Yes. Um, financial strain, poor management, mm. uh, poor financial management. Yeah. That can be a, a downfall of a new church plant. If, yeah. if they don't, you know, if, if, if you don't, Jesus spoke a lot about money he did. and stewardship. Yes, he really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't like to hear that, especially when you know when you're in a church plant, you come to a new city, and you start talking about money and financial management and things of that nature. People kind of start gripping their wallets a little bit tighter in purses because they think, "Oh, well, here's another pastor; he's just coming looking for money." Mm. You know, but but you've got to have finances to to run the church. Sure. You know, you you got to be able to pay the light bill, right? And we need to be good stewards of those finances. Absolutely, and you got to be able to manage that. Um, I think it was Zig Ziglar that made a statement said, uh, uh, "Money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen." <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that. That's good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was the one that That's said funny. that. But uh, you know, and it, and it, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't want to sound like this money hungry, mm-hmm. you know, pastor. But but you you've got to be able to. To manage those finances, you got to be able to have some ability yes. to budget and and manage those finances mm-hmm. uh, for the kingdom of God. Right? Not the apostles us. did it exactly. They brought it all together. Yeah, and and some had more than others to give, but they all gave. That's right. To see the kingdom built. That's right. Yeah. They pulled it in. Pulled they it in. Pulled it all up together and yep. gave to who had it. Now, uh, how, how does that make you feel? Of course, we can get into a conversation about it, but how does that make you feel when, you know, this guy over here needs more than what you need and mm. he's taking more out of the pool than, yeah. you know, what what kind of conflict could that create? Mm. Um, you know, but you got to be willing to to work and understand, you know, that even the people, you've got to create that culture 
that, you know, uh, and I'm thankful at FAC Radford, we have created a culture of a giving church. Right. Uh, and, and we are, we are, uh, we are a giving church. Mm-hmm. We support foreign missions, global missions, um, North American missions, uh, move the mission, you know, any kind mm-hmm. of mission that that's there. We try to support it. Mother's Memorial. I believe we just, we gave uh, $2,000 to Mother's Memorial this past Sunday. And, and yeah. so, you know, we, and let me say to that point, um, and I can say this because I've, I've sat under your ministry for nine years now. And, yeah. And so I've seen this grow from infancy to where it is now. That's not the the response or or the uh, that's not because there was a a heavy drive right. for that. Right. It it was it came naturally. It came naturally. Absolutely. It, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, we look back now and we see how much the people love to give. And, and you don't have to go up there and preach about it for 45 minutes to get people to give. It, it has come naturally. Yeah. How many times can you count on your hand how many times I have preached about giving? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. And, 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 you know, not to say, again, there may be somebody out there that listens to this that might say, well, well, bless God, I don't believe in that. I believe, mm-hmm. you and, I, and I do. I, I I believe you should teach it, but I don't. I don't believe you need to hammer it. Right. Uh, you know, if the people are doing it, move on to something else. Exactly. Yeah. There's <laughs> no need to beat people over the head about finances if they're already giving. Absolutely. And and we've got people that they they love to give because we see mm-hmm. what it does when you give, and it bro, it opens doors. Um, so yeah, just, um, you know, financial strain, poor, mm-hmm. poor financial management. Um, that's very important. Uh, exhaustion, exhaustion. Mm. Uh, this is a very strong point in, in church failure, okay. church plant failure. Um, I have been exhausted mm-hmm. in, in nine years, but you know, you got to learn your limits. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure and focus and learn your limits. When you're when you get exhausted, and you get and that your family, your wife, your children. Um, when that exhaustion starts setting in, you got to learn and, and be able to somehow step away. Mm-hmm. And 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 you got to have that Sabbath. Yeah, you sure. got to have that Sabbath because if you don't have that Sabbath, you're gonna get you're gonna get exhausted really quick. So let me let me take this at another angle because this interests me and I'd love to get your take on this. Mm -hmm. The inability to say no could be a great detriment to the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. If if you cannot say no, Mm. there's a book called boundaries. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's a, um, I don't, I don't believe it's written by an apostolic author. Um, may even be a secular book. I'm not real sure, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a book called boundaries. Right. And it talks about learning how to be able to say no Yeah, and create those boundaries. You know, hell hath no boundary. Right. We've, we've been preaching about that yes. for the past yes. couple of weeks. Hell hath no boundary. Mm-hmm. There's no lines there drawn, you know, hell hath enlarged herself Right. and the kingdom of God has boundaries. It does. And so I, I believe we must learn how to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. C- could it be? Could it be that Elijah sat under the juniper tree, ready to die, because he was so exhausted from what just happened, and he ran off the hill 
Mount Carmel. Mm. Yeah. Now that's a great. I mean, you you talk about revival, man. Yeah. Eight hundred and fifty false prophets. You know, and he's up there battling on Mount Carmel. Yeah. With eight hundred and fifty false preachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, then all of a sudden the Lord speaks to him and says, "I'm sending rain." Elijah says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And he, he runs off the Mount Carmel, beats Ahab in his chariot, runs off of Mount Carmel, beats Ahab in his chariot. Yeah. And, and, and the very next day, yeah. he's sitting under a juniper tree, sucking his thumb, all upset, all worried, and says, I'm ready to die. He's fatigued. He's fatigued because Jezebel, you know, she sends him this letter that she's going to, She's going to kill right, him. Right, right. You know, and we know that if, if she really had the power to do that, mm-hmm. she would have done it. Right. <laughs> Rather right. than just send a letter. That's how the devil works, mm-hmm. though. It is. Uh, and, and here he is now. Now he's sitting, he's, he's ready to die. Now, I don't believe it was just the fatigue that got out. I do believe that letter that came sure. from Jezebel contributed to that. Mm-hmm. But, but could it be that that letter was what kind of threw him over the edge? Mm-hmm. Because of the exhaustion that he was experiencing, sure. I mean, how many times do we go into a service on Sunday and have a move of God, and God moves in a mighty way, and then Monday, you know, we're 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 tired, we're worn out. Monday, mm-hmm. the next day, something happens that yeah. it just wipes us out, right? Um, and so, could it be that Elijah was was so exhausted from what happened, you know, on Mount Carmel when mm-hmm. he came off that mountain that, uh, you know just took one letter yeah. to cause him to sit under a juniper tree. Mm. I think I think it's very possible. Uh, I'm reminded of when I was in high school, um, we would go into the, the gym and our, our coach would come in there and we would be working out and doing all these exercises and stuff, and he would scream out at the top of his lungs, fatigue. And what that meant was, Whatever you're doing, you do it until you physically can't do it again. Yeah. And so if you're on the bench press, you bench until it falls on you and you cannot do it again. If you're doing push-ups, you push until you hit the floor. And so he would scream fatigue and everybody knew what that meant. Yeah. And where the way I want to look at this is when you're fatigued, the things that would have been easy, second nature, you know, one push-up's not hard to do unless you've just done 50. Right. And so it may not be that Elijah, being faced with this from Jezebel, he probably could have over- overcome that. No problem. Wouldn't have even been worried about it. Not even blinked an eye at it. Yeah. Had he not possibly been fatigued from the running, the battling, the fighting. Right. And so this one small thing now has become a, a great detriment to him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. You 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 think you know? I, I can handle this. I, I got this. Yeah. When and 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 that that points me back to that that statement that you said. You know, success. Mm. How how do you what what can what can contribute to a a church plant success? Mm. In in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, I, I believe it's in chapter number one. Mm-hmm. We find the word success there. We, we find it in the mm-hmm. 
I believe it's to obey. Excuse me. Let me let me look this up. I don't want to misquote this, but in in the book of Joshua, we find the book the word success there. Uh, yeah, the Bible says in Joshua one and eight, "This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night." that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Wow. Yeah. If you if you don't let the law depart out of your mouth, you meditate it on it day and night, and yeah. you observe to do. Wow. I preached a couple weeks ago on uh, them that do and them that don't. Yeah. Yeah. And... and we need to be a doer of the word, yes. not just a hearer of the word. That's right. Because you're going to have them that show up in church on Sunday that do, and you're going to have people that walk out that don't. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. there to make their conscience feel good, right. and, and that's all. You know, but but the Lord said, if you if you'll do all that is written in that word, if you obey and heed everything that's written in that word, then you'll make your way prosperous right. and have good success. But it's important to understand. Three things that are said in that chapter, and I'm not sure where they're... Verse 6, verse 7, and verse Mm 9. The Lord speaking to Joshua when they're... All right, they're getting ready to take new land. Moses has passed away. Mm -hmm. Joshua and the children of Israel, they're on their way into new territory. Yes. Type and shadow of a church plant. Sure. Going into new territory, territory that they've not been to yet, and they're taking that land. Mm Mm-hmm. And on their way into it, Moses has just died. And, and the Lord speaking to Joshua says, Be strong and of good courage. In verse 6, he says it in verse 7. He tells him he's going to have good success if he obeys his word. And then in verse 9, he says, Have not I commanded thee? And he had twice already. Mm-hmm. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Wow. So three times you're going into new territory. Yeah. You're going and 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 he says be careful. Be strong mm. and because you're going to face exhaustion. Yes. You're going to face times when you're tired, you're going to face times when you're weary, you're going to face times but be strong. And the Bible says in another verse of scripture be strong in the Lord. Yes. And in the power of his might. Mm-hmm. They that do Daniel I believe it says uh they that do know their God shall be strong. Yeah. And do exploits. That's right. And so we understand in my weakness. I made strong. He. Right. In my weakness, he is made strong through us. Mm. Does that make sense? Right. So so we've got to we've got to understand our power and our strength from that exhaustion comes from God. Right. But we must be strong in the Lord. That comes that comes to our relationship with God. Yeah, we got to build that re- and be of good courage. I, I, the definition of strong strength is this: the capacity of an object or a substance to withstand great force or pressure. Mm. The capacity of an object or substance, and so to be able to overcome this exhaustion. It kind of seems counter counterintuitive, but for us to be 
to overcome exhaustion, we've got to be strong. Right. You got to persevere. You got to persevere. Mm-hmm. But you're not strong in your strength. Right. You're strong in the Lord. And and that strong means more than just having power to move heavy weights or or objects that are physically demanding. It it goes beyond that to being able to withstand pressure. Wow. Being strong is the ability to withstand pressure. Yeah. If you're if you're going to lift that weight, you got to be able to withstand the pressure. Right. And and we know where where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And we understand that it's pressure that makes the sails mm-hmm. stay afloat or stay aloft. Right. When the sails, it's the wind mm-hmm. that that causes that ship to be able to go. It's pressure that causes the force that's necessary. Mm-hmm to be able to push an object. And so, you know, in in the face of pressure, we got to be strong in the Lord, yeah. power of his might, be careful that we don't get exhausted in ourselves, know our limitations, be able to get away, but also trust in the Lord. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I can do all things through Christ. Right. Not in and of myself, right. no. but through him. Right. All things are possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. That's really good. Would you be willing to touch on the fruitfulness of church, of a church plant? Uh, If we're going to be fruitful, if we're going to be, quote, unquote, uh, successful in the world's eyes or even in our own eyes, but uh, I I like the way that you put it, if we're going to be fruitful, Mm -hmm. if we're going to grow and, and be effective in building the kingdom of God, what are what are some other factors that we need to consider? You got to be a servant. Mm. Um, you got to be willing to work. Fruit doesn't come. Harvest doesn't come out of the garden unless somebody gets out there, tills it, yeah. plants it, weeds it, takes care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be willing to work. You got to be willing to be a servant. Yeah. the The word servant is is or in its servant or servants is over 900 times mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. In King James Version. Mm-hmm. The word leader or leaders mm-hmm. is mentioned six times. <laughs> oh, there you go. So we must be servants first. Yeah. We got to learn to serve. We got to be willing to serve. Mm. And and if you're willing to serve then then you're going to be fruitful. Wow. Um, you got to have a servant's heart. Um, you got to have vision. Mm-hmm. Where there is no vision, people perish. Book of Proverbs, chapter twenty nine. Right. Where there is no vision, people perish. And uh, vision determines where you go, mm-hmm. but it demands discipline. Right. Vision demands discipline. Mm, that's good. Proverbs Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. But if you look at another translation of that, mm-hmm. this is what it means. Where there is no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. Wow. So in other words, where there is no vision, where there is no clear word from God, no revelation of the word of God, mm-hmm. The people are, it says people perish in King James Version, right. but it, it means the people are 
unrestrained. Wow. There's no discipline. Yeah. If you have no vision, then there is no discipline. There's whatsoever. no boundaries. There's no boundaries. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And and if you don't have boundaries, again, mm. you're not where you need to be. Hmm. You got to have those guardrails to keep from running off the road. You got to have those lines to stay in your lane. You get, yeah. you got to have those bound and and without those boundaries, without the revelation of God's word, where there is no revelation, where there is no rhema word from God, when mm-hmm. you don't have that, then you're unrestrained. There, you're going to do what's right in your own eyes unless God has given you divine direct instruction, and that's why God told Joshua what He told him. Notice when Moses died, what's the first thing he had to do? He had to get a word from the Lord to be able to go forward into that new land. He had to get a word, a rhema word from God, right? a direct word from God to him. Mm. Joshua had to receive that. And and a church planner without that, wow, there's no boundaries. Mm. There's no ba- And that doesn't mean there's no boundaries of to what they can experience. That means there's no boundaries holding them in. Right. And when, when that happens, you mm-hmm. resort back to what you used to know. We see it in Peter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? There you go. Yeah. We see it in Peter. Yeah. Jesus left. Jesus ascended. Uh, I'll go, I'll go back. i go back fishing <laughs> because that's what I used to do. Yeah. And so now I've lost the vision. I lost sight of what's important. Uh, and, and he lost his vision. Right. And the only thing he could revert back to is the old lifestyle. Yes, that's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah, where there is no where there is no vision, people are unrestrained, and you, wow. you you gotta have that you gotta have that vision to keep you focused. Yeah, you gotta have that word from God to keep you. Fo- you gotta have that. You know, um, when you when you've got a, a rhema word from God, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You got a word from God. That's right. That's right. Come hell or high water. Yeah. <laughs> I got a word from God. Yeah. I, I remember, and I'm not going to go into details, but when, when I was younger, uh, when, when me and my wife first got married, uh, we were praying about a piece of land. Actually, prior to getting married, we were praying about a piece of land. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but this land was located on, on Goshen Valley Road. Yeah. And, and when we were praying about this, we didn't know if it was the will of God at the moment or not for our life. We wasn't sure. We were young. We were getting married. You know, we had all kinds of dreams and aspirations and things. But I remember praying about this specific thing. And as I was praying, the Lord directed me to a scripture that my wife had told me about previously. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, go look it up. And I went and looked it up. And there it was. And it said, and Joseph moved his family to the land of Goshen. Wow. <laughs> I, I read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Joseph moved his family to the land of Goshen. I said, okay, Lord. Yeah. Easy enough. That's an easy one. Yeah. We bought the property. And I remember, I I remember times when, when times were tough. You've newly married, you know. Mm. I remember when we, we had mortgage coming up. We got to make the payment on our house and property land. And, and I, I remember going back to God and saying, Lord, Oh, yes. You you told me, you were the one that told me. I was praying and you showed me this in your word. Now yeah. you got to help me out here. You yeah. said you'd all you provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. I, I'm standing on your word. This would you and bro, he came through every time. Yeah. I mean, there was times literally went in the mailbox. I know people have said it before, but I I've, I've experienced it. Walk in the mailbox and be a $250 check without a name or anything in it wow. and just a check sitting in that mailbox in an envelope mm. addressed to us. 
I've experienced it. Yeah. In times that I would pray that prayer, God, you this was your this was your will. You showed me this. Right. And with FAC Radford, there's been times where hell and high water has come. Mm. But I've went back to God and said, Lord, yeah. I know I had I've got a rhema word from you. You called us to come to this city and I heard your voice and you told us to come. And so whatever it takes, I'm gonna stand back and I'm gonna watch you work. Yeah. And I folded my arms before, just like Abraham with Isaac. I'll slay him. Yeah. But you told me the sands, my, my seed was going to be as a sands of seashore. So I'll kill him. But then I'm going to stand back, fold my arms, and you're going to raise him back to life. Yeah. Because your word, you got to have that rhema word from God that gives you that vision that sets your boundaries. Yeah. You say, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to accomplish. And the word of God said it, so I'm going to stand on it. Mm. That's good. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, you, you know, in, in 2 Samuel 18, <laughs> Absalom has been killed. Are we good? What mm-hmm. Okay. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, listen to this. I don't know if I've got this one marked. 2 Samuel 18. Listen, listen to what the Scripture tells us here. Verses 21 through 31. I'm going to read fast. All right. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. And then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But whosoever or howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever said he, let me run. And he said unto him, fine, run. And Ahimeaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates. And the watchman went upon the roof over the gate to the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told King David and said, if he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came a space and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running, alone. And the king said, He's also bringing tidings. And the watchman said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimeaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which had delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Now Absalom's dead. And he said, Is my son safe? And Ahimeaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up, up into the chamber over the gate and wept. And that's when he cried, Absalom, my son, Absalom, because he realized his son was dead. Mm-hmm. But, but listen to this. Absalom was killed. Joab and Cushai 
and Ahimeaz, who came after Cushai and said, I want to run and tell. Yeah. And at that moment, Ahimeaz had a talent of running faster than Cushai because mm. he made it first. Right. Cushai went. Right, passed him. And Ahimeaz passed him and got to David first. But that the fact that Ahimeaz could run faster didn't matter. Mm. The fact that Ahimeaz had talent and ability right. didn't mean anything to David. David needed to hear the message of the life-changing details of Absalom's death. He wanted to hear exactly what happened. And the only one that carried that was Cushai. Wow. Ahimeaz, he just said, there's a great tumult, tumult and, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know what it is, but I'm here. Yeah. And Cushai came and gave the details, the word, gave him exactly what David needed to hear. Wow. And, 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 and David pushed Ahimeaz aside and said, let me hear the one that's got the word with all the details. Yeah. Because that's what I need to hear. I don't care about your talent. Yeah. You can run faster. That's great. Yeah. But I need to hear a word. Wow. I need to know the details. And so we can try to build the kingdom on talent and ability, but we need a rhema word from God. That's right. We need a rhema word. We need to be able to deliver. People in this world, they don't need to see somebody that can run faster. No. People in this world don't need to hear a message of someone that's just got talent and ability, and they need to hear from Cushai. Yeah. That's got the details, the plan of salvation, a word from God that will stand before them and declare what thus saith the word of the Lord. Here's the word you need to hear. Yeah. And, and, and that's what David needed. He needed wow. to hear the details. He needed to hear the word of God. And, and then we've, we, we've got to be willing to speak that word. We've got to receive that word. Mm. We've got to receive that word that, that God's given us. That's really good. I'm reminded of Daniel in the book of Daniel. Scripture says, they that have an understanding shall instruct many. And so there's yeah. been times in my life where I feel like I've been, you know, headed off at the pass and beat to the punch, however you want to say it, and there's somebody already there. And so, you know, yeah. there's there's 50, you know, 50 churches already in this city. And so, you know. I'm just, what am I trying to do here? Right. There's already Bible studies everywhere going on. So can I really make a difference here? Right. But the difference is in the one who has the understanding. That's right. In the one who has the details. Right. The one who has a rhema word, like you said. That's right. Because if you don't have that, you've only got, you've got empty religion. Yeah. You can't offer anything that's going to satisfy the hunger that is there for those details. That's right. They that have an understanding shall instruct many. Yes, sir. And that's why the, it's put back on us to to gain that understanding. Mm-hmm. And so I think to be fruitful, we first, uh, we must be able to have fruit to offer. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That, that, that's what gives you the vision. Right. That you need to, to, to go into your city, proclaim the gospel, mm. proclaim the message of salvation. You got to have that. You got to have that vision 
goals mm. goes back to goals. Something that we were talking about just just prior to opening this podcast. Yeah, goals that we set. Yeah, we got to have that vision. But with that, it doesn't come. It doesn't come by itself. That vision comes from the Word of God that gives you that vision. Yeah, that you can operate in. Hmm. I, I like that. Let me. I want to ask you a question. I, I, before we end this episode, I do want to. I've wanted to get to this. Um, how do you, as a pastor, ensure that you provide the meat of the word for those who are more seasoned saints, while at the same time provide the milk of the word for the newer converts, all while maintaining a healthy church growth without starving one or overwhelming the other. This has always puzzled me. That's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> it is a mouthful. And 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 it's such a simple answer though. Okay. Really. Um my immediate knee jerk response to this question is just through proper preparation time invested and of course we're going to go in a little bit more detail but you've got to be able to to provide proper formatting through service formats bible study formats Mm -hmm. just like we talked about previously Mm -hmm. you can't you got to just be able to shift and and go with the punches, so to speak. And what I mean is not not momentarily like within minutes, and sometimes that happens, but you've got to be able to shift. For instance, if you've got a Bible study going on at 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. and you've got that with a lot of more seasoned people, mm-hmm. you're dealing with topics that are, you know, what they need to hear. Right. But you've got a new convert that you're trying to reach. Don't don't invite that person to the Revelation in time Bible study. Right, right, and that's common sense. Should yeah. be, yeah. And invite that person to the into his marvelous light Bible study. Mm, right, and 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 it's just proper planning. It's thinking things through. It's mm. you know now on on a Sunday Wednesday. You know, in a church environment, mm-hmm. when you're in services, um, I, I like to think of it this way. This is how we have our short service format now. Sunday school is to educate. Yeah. Our worship service is to evangelize, mm-hmm. and our Wednesday Bible studies is to edify. Mm-hmm. So, people that need that education, we promote. Get here for Sunday school. Right. Get that education. That's what, you know, our Sunday school and, and you being a Sunday school teacher of, of our adult class, you know, every other Sunday, uh, you understand, you know, my vision for that is this needs to be educational. Right. You know, we don't preach a message on Sunday mornings. Right. We, we, we're teaching a lesson. We're educating people. We want them to get that education of the word in their life and, and then, you know, leave the evangelizing you know, to the Sunday worship minister, preacher, right. you know, whoever's going to be preaching that message. Mm-hmm. So there in, in, in one service setting in two different formats there, you're, you're, you're getting education along with, you know, 
evangelizing and, right. and evangelistic message. And then, of course, Wednesday night being the edification, you know, through through what we, you know, we say Bible study, but it, you know, it's a it's an edification service, really. It's mm-hmm. it's teaching along with some kind of preaching, but and discipleship courses, you know, following those discipleship courses, uh, implementing those, and 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 establishing that because it's not about it's not about really. With a lot of people, it's not about the, the material. You've heard me say this before. It's not about the course. It's about the relationship. Mm-hmm. you got to build relationships with these people. Right. you got to let people know that you care because they could care less how much you know until they know how much you care. That's true. True. And so you've got to build those relationships with people. you got to be conscientious about the people that's sitting at your table. Mm. And And what I mean by that is... You and your 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 wife, whoever cooks the dinner, mm-hmm. you may do it together. But you know what Sailor will eat. You know what your son will eat, Hudson. Right. You know what they like and what they dislike. You know what they need. Yeah. And even though they may dislike it, mm. you know that they need it. Right. And so you're going to fix and prepare for them while you're in that kitchen, what you know they need. So in ministering, how do I do this? In preparation, I'm thinking while I'm, while I'm preparing messages, while I'm, you know, is this something that I need to time out and, and you know, do I need to feed this to everybody? Right. Do I need to break this down a little bit more? When you're in the kitchen cooking, how, how do you feed everybody at the table when they have all kinds of different stages of development? You prepare in the kitchen yeah. what you know the people need at the table. Wow, that's good. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, There's some to whom meat may offend, um, and I believe in that situation. And milk will sustain for a time, yeah. but there's got to be a time yeah. where you put the bottle away, you pick up the fork. If Hudson's still sitting at the dinner table sucking on a bottle. That's a problem. That's a problem. And I've not done my job. Mm. Think on that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 we've got if we've got twelve year olds sitting at the table mm. and they're still gumming baby food, yeah. There's an issue. Yeah. That twelve year old should have learned how to use a steak knife. Or, uh, you know, be able to eat some solid food. And it's going to result in a deficiency. Absolutely. Mm. And that's dangerous. It is dangerous. It is dangerous. And and that's why, I, I mean, it, you know, there's times that we look at our 12-year-old and we say, you need to eat. Our, our, <laughs> when, when she was younger, I've pretty much force-fed her green beans mm. uh, one time. One time. Yeah. That's all it took. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I come home, and we still talk about that dinner today. Yeah. She was little over at her other house, came home. My wife had fixed green beans, and I told her, I said, listen, you're going to eat green beans. Mm. I don't want green beans. I mean, she was throwing a fit, temper tantrum. And and I I said, you're going to eat them green beans. You're not getting from up from the table until you eat one bite of green beans. Mm -hmm. And she you know, uh, ooh, uh-huh. heard, you know, like she, and eventually, 
she she threw them, but I mean, it was she almost threw up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Trying to force them down her throat, mm. and so we've got to be careful how we try to force things on people mm. that they may not be ready to handle yet. Wow. Um, but we take time to prepare. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And just flat out common sense. Yeah. Yeah. If you're preaching and you're teaching and you're getting people with puzzled looks on their faces, don't keep going. Right. Shift gears. Shift gears. Yeah. Yeah. The word is not meant to offend. Right. It's meant to edify. Right. Right. Mm. And so you, you, you prepare, you, you plan in the kitchen what, you know, uh, what the people need. And uh, you you serve it on the table, and then you 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 watch how they react. Yeah. If your if your wife was going to, and this is the best analogy that I can possibly use when when I thought about this this question, you invite a lot of guests to your table to eat. You have no idea what they like or dislike. So you prepare a smorgasbord mm-hmm. of things because they're your guests and you want them to enjoy the dinner at the table. Yeah. So you prepare several different types of food, and then you bring it out and you watch. You learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if they're not eating it, yeah, something's wrong. Mm. If they push that to the side, you know, uh, <clears throat> very rarely, only one time that I know of that a guy – scarfed down a sandwich with covered in mustard and he hated mustard but he scarfed it down in front of us and he said he told us years later he said that was the awfulest sandwich i've ever eaten in my life yeah. I said, why he said i hate mustard and i said why did you eat it <laughs> he said i was get this he said i was scared of what you would think oh wow i didn't want to tell you because i was afraid of what you might think wow So prepare it, put it on the table, sit back and watch. Somebody's pushing it to the side. There's something going on. Yeah. They could be allergic. They could just not like it. Yeah. There could be something that happened in their past mm-hmm. that keeps them from eating that food. That's right. They could have got food poisoning from green beans at one point in time. Mm-hmm. You you could go yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? People are reluctant to try new things. Mm-hmm. Many people. Yeah. A lot of times I'll refuse something, having never tasted it before, because I'm <laughs> I'm scared of what it might be. Right. <laughs> it could potentially uh, yeah. be disgusting. Therefore, I don't. I just I'd rather quit now. Right. Give me something I'm familiar with. Right. And so familiarity is uh, is dangerous. It is. We've got to overcome that. Yeah. And, yeah. and and if you can get some, and there's been times where my wife has begged me, forced me to try something, just try it, just come <laughs> on, just try it, be a man, try it. And I try it, and I'm like, oh, you know, that wasn't that wasn't bad. That bad. Yeah. I think I might try it again. And and so in the context of the church, people might be reluctant at first, but once you try, once you try Jesus, the scripture says taste, taste and, and see. see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taste and see. I believe we got that light bulb we at did. the same time. We did. Taste and see. Taste and see. He's, he's so good. good. He's good. And and it depends on how, oh, it depends on how it's presented. Presentation means everything. Yeah. 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 
presentation means everything. Mm. Uh, they say that in food yes. and restaurants yes. and being a chef. They say presentation, how you present that food could determine whether or not that person wants to eat it or not. Yeah. Wow. So taste and see that the Lord is good, but if it's presented in such a way that with a bad attitude, mm. Or, mm. you know, we could go on. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this last question then before we close. How what's the best way to handle conflict? And and the reason why, you know the reason why, but for the listeners, the reason why I bring this question up is because I in in our 9 years of of working together, uh church work, work work, all kinds of avenues, um I have been difficult at times, there are times that, that we could talk about and go into the details. I don't think it's necessary, but uh, that I have been very difficult as a, as a person, as a someone who is supposed to be in subjection to you as a pastor. Um, and so, and I've brought conflict to the table. And so from a pastor standpoint, what's the best way to deal with conflict? With love. There you go. With love. Yeah. I mean, that's, just the immediate yeah with love mm. um you you have to know that it's it's coming mm. conflict is coming yeah it's going to happen yeah um but you've got to love that person enough to overcome it yeah you've got to love that individual Enough to, because some people, the reason people don't deal with conflict, it all boils down to how much they love them. Wow. And a true pastor will deal with that conflict because they love them. Mm. Rather than sweeping, you you know, you, you say it to your kids, I'm sure, or have said it or even thought it, maybe heard it as a kid. This is hurting me worse it's hurting you. Oh, yeah. I'm doing this because I love uh, you. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with that conflict because you love that child and you don't want to just let them do anything. All right. Right. And so you've you got to see the potential. Vision goes back to vision. you got to mm-hmm. see the potential in that person. Yeah. And every person, Jesus saw potential yes. in everyone he met. Wow. And we've got to see that potential, and we got to love them through their problems mm. because somebody loved me through mine. That's right. And so if you love them enough to see them where they can be or where they're going, you're willing to deal with the conflict. Mm. And you'll do it in such a way in love that's right. Yeah. And that's where you got to battle flesh. That's where you got to battle flesh. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta overcome flesh because flesh might want to just lash out. Yeah, and that's not the way Jesus done it with people uh, that he saw purpose in. And if he seen purpose in someone, he dealt with that with love. Yeah, stoop down the ground, starts drawing in the sand. And, mm. Looks up, says, "He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone." Yeah. They don't judge you, neither do I. 
Mm. Go and sin no more. Wow. Go and sin no more. Mm. Conflict. Yeah. But he dealt with it in love. Yeah. And he gave her hope and then looked at her and said, Now, learn from this. Don't do it again. Go and sin no more. Learn from the love that I've shown you. Learn from the mercy that I just gave you. Hmm. That's good. This is so good. Uh, I have been blessed and edified by this conversation. And I I know that so many other people uh, are going to be. And I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to to sit down and have this conversation because uh, I believe that it's necessary because there's many people with great ambition. Yeah. Many yeah. people want to do great things for the kingdom, but right. if it's not, uh, if it's not directed in the right way, then it could be sure to fail. Oh, it could be detrimental to yeah. them and other people. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I think that these these things, this this wisdom that you've shared with us, I think that this is going to help. Uh, I know it's going to help me and my family. Uh, for years to come, I will. I know for a fact that uh, when I begin to question, when I begin to see conflict and things happen and arise in my life and my spiritual walk with God, I'm going to come back to these episodes and I'm going to listen and and glean from from your wisdom. And uh, I thank you for your time. I really do. I appreciate it. And uh, and I know that everybody else uh, appreciates it as, as as well. Yeah, I. It's an honor. It's an honor to be able to do this, and and uh, I hate it took so long for us to make it happen, but that's uh, all right. But I'm I'm glad I'm glad we've done it, and uh, looking forward to it. We got to choose something a little lighter next time. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> get some tonight. get some other people involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I think that'd be good. I yeah. think it'd be good. Okay. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for spending the time here with us tonight, uh, and we pray that you're blessed where you are. And we, we are praying for all the listeners. I'm praying uh, for anyone who would hear these episodes, that it would be, uh, that it would edify you and, and point you in the right direction. And until next time, we, we pray that you're blessed and we can't wait to see you again. We've got great things coming down the, the pike. Uh, I've, I've been in contact with several other people that I'm really excited to have on the episode. But thank you, Pastor Hall, again, and we will be talking to you soon. Thank you.